You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. Welcome and thank you for joining me. I created this podcast along with everything I do at yourparentingmentor.com to support and inspire you to be the best parent you can be. I know for a fact and from experience that parenting was never meant to be done alone. From conception to preschool, my mission is to give you the tools, strategies, and knowledge to embrace and elevate your parenting experience. I'm dedicated to supporting, inspiring, and guiding you to nurture your child's immense potential with as much joy and ease as humanly possible. Make sure to take time to check out all of the resources I have gathered for you in the show notes, as well as on my website, yourparentingmentor.com. And be sure to get on my email list so you do not miss a single episode and other products and events I curate specifically for you. And please do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, concerns, or feedback. A warm welcome to you and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Panel, and today I have Diane Costo with us uh, to speak about neurofeedback. So I'm very intrigued because I know nothing on this topic, so I'm very excited to get into this conversation. Uh, Diane, thank you for making the time to be with us today. Yes, awesome. Thank you for having me, Jean-Marie. So I always like to start with my question of how do you define the art of parenting? Oh, the art of parenting. Well, I think it's just, for me, it's to expect the unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> the only constant is change. Those would be the couple things that come to my mind. Yes, and that is that is perfect uh, to expect the unexpected for sure. Now, um, I would love if you could share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came to do the work that you're doing today. Sure, absolutely. So I am Diane Costo, and I'm the founder of Symmetry Neuropathway Training. I'm a mom on a mission. I, I started uh, into this field looking for help for my youngest. I have two boys. They're 19 months apart. They're not boys anymore, but I still call them the boys, right? <laughs> They're 27 and 25. Um, but when I started uh, seeking help for my super impulsive youngest, he was really just five. He started struggling in schools and different environments. And um, uh, I really tried every different parenting approach and book and method that I could come up with always searching for something to, to help him have success. Anywhere he went, there he still was with his lack of impulse control, though. <laughs> so, yeah. And so what did you end up finding that, that helped him with this impulse control? Yeah, it was the neurofeedback. So after many years of struggling with the environments, I would I'd try, I kept thinking that if I could put him in the right school or program, he would have success. So we tried private school, homeschool, boarding school, homeschool again, military academy, um, all of those over the years trying to avoid 
him becoming one of those quote unquote troubled teens that have to get sent to a therapeutic program. But he did end up in one of those therapeutic programs, even though I tried all of those different things along the way. And he was about to get kicked out of that. Like anywhere he went, I'd get a phone call, really love him, but he's not following the program. Come and get him, you know, and he would come across as this 110% boy with a bad attitude, which also rubbed people the wrong way. So <laughs> labeled him and all of that. And so it was um, a few months into the therapeutic program where I was thinking as a parent, okay, finally, they know how to help him. You know, I've been failing. I haven't found the answer, but they know because that's why they created this program. And I got the call from the founder that he wasn't having success there either. We need to do something. What are we going to do? And right at that time, whatever you believe in, miracle, divine intervention, uh, the universe looking out for us. I was introduced to the founder of a neurofeedback company, and I had been wondering anyways, is there something neurological going on with my son? Because this is extreme. And this guy said, yes, that's the kind of kid that we can help through this process of neurofeedback. So I went through the training, and uh, he actually lent me a $22,000 system, and I drove from South Carolina to Utah and set it up in that therapeutic program. <laughs> And so I don't know how many of your listeners know what neurofeedback is. Well, I don't know about my listeners, but I would love to know yeah. <laughs> more and, and, and understand what that, what that is exactly. Yeah. And I like to keep it and explain it simply as technology-driven learning. So a lot of people may have heard of biofeedback. Have you ever heard of biofeedback? I have, but I, I'll be honest, I'm not quite sure what, what it is. So I would love if you could explain both. That would be great. Sure. Yeah. It's, so the biofeedback is when you're measuring something in your body. A lot of us have these watches and aura rings and um, heart rate variability. Heart rate is being measured. Your breathing's being measured. You're tracking things in your body to give you information on what you're doing, right? So it follows that same concept. We're measuring something in the body, giving you information on what it does so that you can make changes. Same with the brain. We can actually measure brainwave patterns in the brain and give somebody some type of feedback and their brain can learn to change those patterns into healthier, more regulated patterns. And that's the whole goal of neurofeedback is to help the brain better regulate. So we start with some intake assessments and mapping out the brain communication with what we call a QEG brain map where we can see the areas of the brain that are functioning well and the areas that are not communicating well. Based on that information, they go through a series of sessions to help the brain learn those healthier patterns. And that looks simply like you've got an amplifier plugged into a laptop. You have a couple sensors on your head measuring the brain waves, and you're watching something. You can stream Netflix, YouTube, Hulu, anything online, and the software will put an overlay over top of it and play that movie more clearly, like a little bit brighter so you can see it better when your brain's producing a healthy pattern. And then it goes dimmer when the brain's not producing the pattern that we want. So it's operant conditioning, it's teaching, it's constantly rewarding the brain to produce that healthier pattern by letting you see it better or hear it better. And our natural process, like just like when you wake up in the morning, your eyes focus naturally, you, you know, or if you hear whispers or something outside of your door, you can't help but tune into that. That's the body's natural process for, you know, survival and, and just basic instinct. And so we're just banking on that, the fact that the brain will learn what it needs to, to see that in a better resolution. Hmm. So, but 
So I, I, I guess I have several questions. Yay, that's uh, great. So when you say that the this this machine in in sort is giving the brain different information or maybe retraining it to see something differently, who is programming the machine? Because it, it, it sounds like it could go it could go either way. Like you know, it could be used. In not in not very positive, like like how how do you know, you know how to? Because it sounds like there's just so many subtilities to to take into account, and that I'm sure that every single brain that you are observing is very different and has different nuances. So how do you help it, you know, become a healthier brain of sorts? Yeah, that's a really important and valid question because it does seem a little bit crazy in a way, um, but it is simple in another way. So we know that every brain does have nuances and, and it's very complex. It's one of the most complicated things in the universe as far as we know, right? But we're still learning things, but we know basic patterns in the brain that are normal and ones that are not. And by normal, I mean healthy, where people don't have symptomology. Okay, there's, there's proper functioning and communication in the brain. So what we do is we're only using protocols that have been backed by science. And the protocols are, you know, what that brain needs to produce in that healthy pattern. So we would never, at least in my, you know, offices and where we provide at home, we always follow the science and keep it very simple and based on the research that's been around since the 60s. And we'll only train the brain in a way that the brain should normally go. So, and it's just allowing the brain to learn those healthier patterns. We never train against the norm because yes, that could over time. And it's not a quick fix or a magic pill. It really does take many sessions. So we're always monitoring those sessions along the way as well and making sure the brain's responding the way we'd like and, and everything is kosher along the way. Okay. And when you discovered this modality, how, how old was your son then? He was 12, just turning 13 when he went into that therapeutic program. So yeah, he was 13. And how how quickly did you see changes in his behavior and, and such? Yeah, I started noticing things within a couple weeks. And it wasn't just him because uh, some of the I shared with the parents at parent conference what I was doing, and they were all in the same boat that I was. We spent more money than we have. We don't like the medications. You know, our kids are here because they weren't functioning in their normal environments. And so I saw students that started sleeping better, uh, some of the dark circles just lightening up, and uh, some of them reducing medications. I saw my son kind of participating a little more because he was refusing to do anything in the program, basically. Uh, and he just started to brighten up a bit and interact with people better. And gradually he just developed that pause that he never had before. So he could stop and think before he just reacted to his environment because he, that was the missing piece for him. That physically, there was a pattern in his brain that didn't allow him to just pause before reacting. And he went around reacting to his environment, which doesn't work <laughs> for most people. Right. 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 And one of the best things that I saw in a few of the kids, including my son, was some of their confidence coming back and that spark in their eye, too. You know, after being this was a crowd that had been labeled a lot of them ADHD, maybe ODD. They obviously went through a lot before they got to the point where the parents literally had to send them away for help. 
So a lot of trauma, you know, a lot of difficulties and, and just seeing them start to gain that confidence and that spark back was fabulous. Yeah. And, and you, you did mention earlier that this was kind of a hefty price tag to like to, to have access to this machine. Cause to me, like the way that you described it, it was like, that would be probably the best place to start like to examine what's going on in I the brain know. right you're right if we if i could have done that so many years before and myself and all the professionals that looked at my son too just shaking their head not knowing what to do uh, other than maybe medicate them and that has its own whole conversation to it <laughs> um, but yeah had i known that there really was a physical reason that he was acting the way he was i could have approached it differently but i was like that single mom. I'm not going to be judged as being too lenient. I'm going to buck heads and I'm going to enforce the rules and I'm going to, you know, just be tough about it. And that was probably the worst approach to the, that, you know, kiddo. <laughs> right. I, I mean, and, and probably for, for any child, but I think that's unfortunately kind of the conventional attitude we have vis-a-vis children that, you know, we need to get them into shape and, and, <laughs> and such when, I mean, it's sad that, you know, for your son, it was something just physical or that there was just, you know, a, a little subtility in the brain that just needed to be uh, worked on. So Right. And it's true of a lot of us. We, I mean, I've never seen a perfect brain. Like I saw so many patterns of anxiety in the brain maps, even before the pandemic. And now we're seeing more and more patterns of this hypervigilance and this anxiety happening in our in our society as a whole. It's interesting. And so this neurofeedback uh, helps with that as well? Right. Yeah. A lot of the things that are normally just medicated or kind of covered up with medications come down to patterns in the brain that are dysregulated. So when you're not sleeping well, when you're anxious, when your mood regulation is off, uh, that focus and attention, those are some of the really common things that we see all of the time in brain maps. And when you can start to teach the brain to function better, a lot of that can fall by the wayside. And how how is this different? I mean, I, I know it's different, but how how would you like describe it different than than maybe um, you know hip, hypnotic therapy, uh, hypnosis, and, and things like that that we know has has immense beneficial on you know getting rid of maybe anxiety or uh, fears or things like that. How how is that different? Right, I'm not the expert on hypnosis, but there's a the aspect of this is using technology to teach the brain and it's learning it think of it like anytime you learn to ride a bike or play an instrument or write with a pencil you're practice practice practicing and then you can do it without thinking about it because there's a new neural pathway in your brain so this process by continuing to reinforce that positive pattern that that healthy pattern that the brain's producing it will create a new neural pathway in the brain a physical change in the brain, just like when we learn anything, anytime. So it's based on that principle, the neuroplasticity of the brain, which I'm not sure what the principles are behind hypnosis because it's not my expertise. I don't know if it physically changes the structure and the function of the brain, but neurofeedback does. And, and to me, that is just fascinating how 
malleable our brain is, right? When we learn about uh, brain trauma or, or such that, that people are able to, to retrain their brain to, you know, speak again, maybe, or, or, you know, like your son to be able to maybe have better control of his impulses and such is, it's just amazing to me. It is. It's fascinating. And, you know, we've come a long way, even in the 13 years from when I first learned about this, but we still have so much to learn and to continue to use. I mean, we're using technology for so many other things. Like this really, like you said, should be step number one. Let's find out what's going on. Let's just like when you go to a cardiologist, they're going to take a look at your heart, right? And your EKG and measure something. When you go to your um, primary doctor, they're going to measure something. They're going to look at blood work. They're going to look at an x-ray, that kind of thing. Well, we can do that for a lot of these other things that we're normally just masking with medications, such as behavior and sleep and things like that. And is this uh, protocol like accepted in the medical field? Like, is it is it even reimbursed, or is it something that's still kind of on the wayside? So it's been around since the '60s in research labs. So there there is a lot of research on it, but the insurance companies are slow to come around here. <laughs> so there's hit and miss across the country. Some. In, in the U.S. I mean, it's much more prevalent in other countries that are a little more advanced with that, that type of thing. But it's coming along, you know, a lot more than it was 13 years ago when I first encountered it, because I went through, like I said, all of those years and nobody mentioned it. Whereas now you're hearing more and more about, like you said, neuroplasticity and the brain and its malleability and all of that. We are learning more as consumers. And I think as more parents speak up and, and individuals that want the services speak up and start to request that coverage, then the insurance companies are going to come around. They're going to have to listen. Um, so that's kind of the push right now. There are codes and there's just really random hit and miss coverage across the country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how, and how did you, uh, how did you discover this whole protocol yourself? Yeah, so I didn't, I was introduced to somebody that, that knew about it. Um, so yeah, they, they had interviewed him on a local talk show and heard about my whole saga of trying to help my son and all of these different things that I tried. And they just thought, hey, maybe this is something worth looking into. And when I met with this doctor and talked to him about what it was and started to read the research on it, I was like, that makes sense. And I've tried everything else I can imagine. So this has to work. I was always like, okay, this next thing is going to work. This is going to work. And I just, but when I studied it, though, it made sense about the brain, that there was a physical reason because we knew that he knew what he knew and whatever we taught him, you know, he, he understood it, but that physical impulse was, was in his way of everything that he did, you know? So it, it made sense to me. And I, I was like, let's do it. I go through the training and go from here. And I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. Oh, <laughs> I, I can imagine. To, I mean, it must, yeah. I can, I can only imagine like how, you know, how we get to a point of, of kind of desperation of like what, what, what is going to work. But I know that as parents, we, we never give up on our children, right? There's, we're the, we, 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 there's, there's got to be something that's going to work. So, you know, your, your son is very lucky to have had you as, his advocate in, in pushing through to, to find this, because it sounds like it was, it was pretty miraculous. 
it really was for him and the and the other students and some of the staff that I helped. And so after that, I kind of I've set out to become a trainer so that I could teach the doctors how to do this and help other providers provide it. And now, as I said, you know, bring it into the homes. This should just be mainstream for us. We we should have this as option number one. So so that's interesting when you say bring it into the home. What what does that entail exactly? Yes, even more simplified technology that we can download an app on your system at home, send you a, an amplifier and a couple sensors and walk you through and coach you and be there for you to receive neurofeedback at home. So we have specific home training process. Mm-hmm. Wow. And what would you um, like advice that you would have for maybe, you know, a, a listener that is, wondering like, oh, is this, is this something that could work for my child? Like what, what are maybe quote unquote, the the symptoms or the, the behavior that this protocol would work best with? Right. I like that you said quote unquote symptoms and yes, (laughs) because because we're obviously, we're not diagnosing anything and we're not treating any medical condition. I really like to emphasize my version of neurofeedback that we're using is, is strictly technology driven learning. So that's why I can do it as a, as a mom on a mission. Um, there are versions of neurofeedback out there that do use more stimulation and low level current. And that requires a whole different, um, expertise. Um, but, but what I see a lot of is that typical, especially early on, I was in the school for quote unquote troubled teens. So we saw that oppositional, we saw the impulsivity, people struggling with focus and attention, mood regulation, anxiety, sleep issues. Those were some of the first ones that I dealt with, you know, and then as I went out into the population more and, and had different offices, then you bring in some of the ones like you mentioned, even a traumatic brain injury uh, in adults and, and professionals looking just for peak performance to improve their game. There are special forces and athletes and Olympic teams using the technology now. So it's really the common factor. And when you name all of that off, it's like, oh, that seems ridiculous. How could one thing help so many you know, different conditions? But you've got to remember the brain. We have that in common, Right. And when the brain is not well regulated, our system's not well regulated and life is harder. So those are, those were some of the things off the top of my head that we see the most of. Right. And you mentioned a lot teens, but so is that like an age group that this works better with? Or do you also work with younger children or, or is there maybe, you know, a protocol that waits for a child to be a certain age? Mm-hmm. Most of the QEG brain map databases start at age five. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. Five and up. They need to be able to leave the sensors on their head for a little bit and watch a show. <laughs> and I've had a little bit younger and I've had all people all the way up into their 80s. Yeah. It's just that I started in that population. So that was that was the majority that I dealt with. But we've got providers you know, serving people across the board. Yeah. And I was just asking that because we know how, you know, the brain is not fully developed until actually later in our twenties. Right. right. So, yes, yes. The so frontal just, lobes. Exactly. 20s. Exactly. <laughs> so just wondering like how, you know, how safe it is on, on younger developing brains. Yeah. It really has been perfectly safe because it's learning, you know, and we're able to learn at any age really. 
So there's no harm in that. If I'm just going to say that the version that I use <laughs> is never forcing the brain to do anything that it's not ready for. Wow, wonderful. Um, this has been fascinating. I, I, I was, I was very excited about to have you on just because I'm, I'm always intrigued by, you know, new technology, different modalities, um, all of this. So, so it's been wonderful learning from you. Now, I, I would love if we could circle back to maybe a more personal question. And, and that would be, uh, you said that your, eldest son is 27. So if you were to go back 28 years ago, when you were expecting uh, your firstborn, what wise words would you tell yourself knowing all that you know today? Oh my goodness. So I, I would tell myself kind of what I opened with to expect the unexpected a little more. I was very rigid and thought there was going to be this kind of blueprint and this schedule and this everything was this kind of perfectionism type thing and I would say like just stop that right now because <laughs> that is not <laughs> going to be the way it is and that you are going to enjoy the journey a lot more if you're not expecting that right and it's funny because you say that now with distance but it's like are we willing to hear that you know in the throes at the beginning <laughs> yeah yeah it's fascinating any any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with today well i i think that it was so valuable for me when i finally and it was many years past when i wish i would have learned to understand that the way people respond, react, and interact in our family unit and outside of that, it really can be related to a physical brainwave pattern. So putting that into perspective and understanding that your spouse or your son or your daughter or whatever, they're not necessarily doing things on purpose or even have control of certain things that they do that, you know, maybe aggravating you, setting you off and rubbing you the wrong way. Uh, and I really would encourage people to consider that in the family units and the dynamics and the relationships that they're in. Because I, I learned a whole lot more when I was able to look at these brain maps and understand why people do what they do. Very good. Very wise words, because it's true that at least that's what I say with younger children. They're not they're not doing it on purpose to bother you. They're just, yeah. they're just, you know, they're not, they're not giving you a hard time. They are having a hard time. Is is kind of what I try to remind parents of of younger children. But but it's true for everybody. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the truth. And when I, I heard you say that, and that's absolutely true. When there's a lack of awareness and you know maturity and all of that. But we as adults, even I, as I sit here, and I had a lot of neurofeedback too, uh, I'm sure there are still things that I do um, that are directly related to a physical pattern in my brain and not always like maybe the best thing <laughs> that I could do. If I, you know, it's just, I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly, but we all have our, our challenges. Our own patterns, right? Our own right. patterns. And, and in our perspective of it is our reality, but that doesn't mean that it's right or the reality of who we're interacting with. Right, right. Perfect. Well, this has been delightful. Thank you so much, uh, Diane, for, for coming on and sharing all of this with us today. Sure, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, 
let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.